Welcome to Sense You Asked, a podcast where we have authentic conversations built around your questions on life, biblical Christianity, and occasionally completely random topics. Now here's your hosts, Ben Farley and Ben Van Hyning. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to Since You Asked. Today is Tuesday, May 24th. Uh, my name is Ben Farley. I am here along with my co-host, Ben Van Heining. Good morning, Ben. How are you? I'm doing great today. It is uh, a beautiful day to be alive. It really is. Yeah. I mean... What do you got to complain about? You know? I don't mean you specifically. I just mean... Oh, oh. You know, in general... I'll put my list up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What what of us has something so terrible to complain about that we can't look outside and say, what a great day. Let's just make the best of it. You know what? The kids are almost out of school. We get a yeah. uh, we get a pretty exciting trip uh, here next week. So we are actually recording a couple episodes uh, just so that while we're gone, we'll be able to continue yeah. to answer your questions here on Since You Asked. Uh, but Ben and I are headed to Greece, um, not not just us together. That would right, be weird, right? But uh, yeah, it would. But we are, uh, along with the rest of our church's teaching team, heading to Greece. We're going to film some content uh, as we work through some of Paul's missionary journeys. Um, we're going to land in Athens. We're going to drive up and see Mount Olympus. Um, we're going to go to Thessalonica, Philippi, Delphi. I don't even know all the other places. Sancria. Corinth, Sancria, um, yeah. just just a, a really cool opportunity um, that uh, that we have the unique opportunity to do because uh, a generous couple donors uh, have made that possible. So um, we've been able to go to Israel, we've been able to go to Turkey, and now Greece, just to be able to um, one experience that for ourselves, but also work through the word and and make that really come alive to us, but also to be able to bring it more to life to the people that we're teaching. So uh, we're excited by uh, about that. Uh, next week's episode, you will be hearing us, but we will be in Greece while you're listening to that. So um, yeah, we're just hoping our families can uh, can thrive without us. I, I think that's a possibility. I think they might do quite well without <laughs> us driving them berserk sometimes and all the stuff that goes along with being my child and my spouse, you know? Yep. Yeah. So I think they'll be all right. Yeah. There there's uh it's going to be cool. I, I, um, I'm in, I'm looking forward to just some new things. The second missionary of Paul, you know, we're going to be just following his footsteps, which yeah. is, is really interesting. Um, one of the things I'm looking forward to is not even a biblical thing, but the we're going to be within footsteps of Thermopylae, which is mm. the setting for you know the the movie 300. Oh, such and, a good movie! And where they defended, you know the 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 I don't even know the full story of it, but that that movie was based right there in Thermopylae. Yeah, um, fighting back the Persians. Such so, a good movie. Yeah, that's one of those so, movies that anytime it's on. You got to watch it. You just watch it. Three hundred, Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, um, I I really like Bull Durham or Field of Dreams. Those are good ones. But I will say, one of my all time favorite movies is Remember the Titans. Okay. I I don't. I just love that movie. Yeah, I, I like one. the nostalgic setting yeah. of it. Um, of course the message is great. I, I love Denzel Washington. He's sure. one of my favorite actors. Um, it is just a phenomenal movie, and I really liked it when it first came out. And gosh, I don't know how long that's even been—close to twenty years now. Yeah, 
Long and time. I still love it. Yeah. Every time it's on, we're going to watch it. So yeah. go Titans. Go Titans. Uh, <laughs> My particular go-to, it doesn't matter when it's on. It doesn't matter if it's the beginning of the movie or the end. It's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, it's so good. That's a gr- It's a great movie. Yep. You know, it, it's time to get busy living or yep. get busy dying, you know. And so that's kind of a, that's kind of a daily mantra. Yep. Just get up and let's get something done. Uh, I'm not saying that I do it every day or that I'm perfect at it, but man, what great advice! Does your wife enjoy watching that movie with you? Yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's, yeah, cool. that's one of those. Now, and she enjoys 300, even movies yeah. like that. She doesn't enjoy sports movies as much. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I understand that. There's another movie that I will watch every time, and I I don't know why, but I just really like it. Um, it is the Ben Stiller movie, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. I don't know if you've ever I've seen that never movie, seen that. but it's like this wonderless guy that is always daydreaming about doing these awesome things in his life. And I don't know if it's speaking to like my desire to do more cool things, but he just hops on a plane one day and goes on these crazy adventures and it, it documents that stuff. My wife hates it. She I, probably because I've watched it so much, Yeah. but I love it. And every time I watch the movie, I'm like, Babe, we got to travel somewhere. I, we got to get out of here and do something crazy. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate her enduring that. Yeah, well, we and we we her and I in particular have a movie that we both like. So it's really we're fortunate in that we like the the movie A Few Good Men. Oh, it's a good movie. Uh, yeah, I mean that that scene where he says you can't handle the truth. Yep. You know, uh, what a what a great scene. And if you if you just and I love when you know, people are wa- on Facebook and they're watching a movie and they just put the quote from the movie on there. Yep. And then people just kind of flood in with, yep. yeah, what a great movie. I know exactly what that's from. And that would be kind of fun sometime for us to do that. It would just be to do quotes from movies. Oh, we could do that. Just to see if the other one could come up with True. The, the movie. We may I, have to make that a segment. That would be fun. We could do that. Okay. We, we could do that. Well, moving forward, that may be a part of Since yeah, You Asked. I love it. Sweet. Or well, incorporate a couple of them in, and then let the listeners see if they, see if can, they can pull out where it came yeah, from. I think that'd be good. I like it. Okay. Cool. Well, today is May 24th, um, and as always, it is a national day of something. And here on Since You Asked, we want to celebrate with you, yeah. or at least make you aware that you should be celebrating. Uh, we don't want anybody to be misinformed, right. uh, uninformed. We want to make sure that you are celebrating uh, the people in your life who deserve to be celebrated. Yeah. And there's some weird things that uh, that is the national day of something today. So what has it been? Yeah, today is National Escargot Day. Have you ever had escargot? I have never had escargot. Um, I, I remember as a child hearing a man talk, tell this joke to my parents, but it was about a snail mm-hmm. who walked into a car dealership. And he walked into a car dealership, and it was a Volkswagen car dealer. And he said, I want you, I want this car, this particular car. But he said, I want you to put where everywhere there's a V and a W, a logo, I want you to put an S. And he, he went through this whole process and talked. The joke went forever and ever. And he said, why? So the salesman said, we can do that. I mean, we're happy to do that, but why? And he said, well, every, when I drive down the street, I want everyone to say, look at that little escargo <laughs> and so that has always stuck with me um that so today is escargo day um so i don't know if any snails are out driving and listening right but th- that could be interesting but escargo <laughs> is just simply snails that have been removed 
from their shells with special instruments, apparently, because they're difficult to get out of yeah. there. Okay. They cook them in butter and garlic and other things. They originate in France, but they then they put them back in the shell with the sauce, hmm. and they bring them to you on a plate. Um, I've heard people say that they are good, and I've heard, it's the same with everything else. People say they're really terrible. Yeah. Um, the most common response is it's just like eating rubber. Yeah, I could see that. They bit. look like they're just rubber. Yeah, just little rubber balls. And something about something. seeing them, you know, I, I mean, they're very similar to slugs. Yeah. And I see oh, the slugs sure. just leaving that slimy trail, and I, uh, I never I'm a guy who tries almost anything when it comes to food, so I would try it. But I'm not saying I'd like it because I would be picturing the the neighborhood slugs on my yeah. sidewalk. Yeah, I kind of feel like that, especially same with oysters. Oh no, I. I I beg to differ there. Okay. I am an oyster guy. Really? Yes. On a half shell, raw, just yes. kind of eat Give me a way. cracker to put those on, a little hot sauce. Oh, Really? Yes, it Are is. Are you eating them off the shell, though? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, just slide them right down. Just, they're slippery and slimy. No. And, but they think... taste great, so. Okay. So maybe I would like escargot. I don't know. Wow. I'm learning something. I don't know. <laughs> that would be tough. Well, so there's some other things, like it's National Brothers Day. Yeah. So if you have a brother, I, do. I don't. Oh, you don't. Uh, I don't have a natural brother. I've had lots of brothers throughout the years. Bros. Bros. Yeah. Bros, but never a brother, uh, a natural brother, blood brother, or anything like that. So. Well, I should probably take an opportunity. Yeah. And Aiden, yeah. if you're listening, my my one and only why brother. Why wouldn't he listen? Why wouldn't he? He should be. If he's a good brother, he should be he listening should be to his older today. brother's podcast uh, in order to celebrate National Brothers Day. Um, so, Aiden, I expect a gift. I think it is customary on National Brothers Day for the younger brother oh, to ab- buy for the older brother, as much good- as I've had to deal with in right. my life with him. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a distinction we want to make sure we make. It's the younger brother. Celebrate it correctly if you're going to do you it. Know, buy something for the older brother. Yeah. yeah no, so. Aiden, love you, man. Hope you're listening. If you're not, what is wrong with you? Come on, man. So. Come on, bro. Uh, Yeah, today happens to be National Aviation Maintenance Technician Day. Sounds important. It sounds really important. I mean, I want a a maintenance technician working on the airplane I'm going to fly on. Yeah, that's something I, you know, some of these are kind of silly, but that is something that I would celebrate. I think they need celebrated. No question. No question. So there's that. There's the, uh, I think one of the ones that was interesting was the National Scavenger Hunt Day. Yeah, um, who doesn't I, like a good scavenger hunt? I love a good scavenger hunt. Um, the trickier, the better. Right. National Wyoming Day and mm. National Yucatan Shrimp Day. Hmm. Not just any shrimp. Just so you can't go to the restaurant this afternoon and just order shrimp and say I've celebrated. It no. has to be Yucatan. Yeah. Shrimp. So that may be a really difficult one to to go and do. But um, anyway, they're found mostly in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. Uh, Cook them with garlic butter. That's a kind of <laughs> that a seems theme, to be a theme, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So you could celebrate that if you're listening and you're in the Gulf of Mexico, you know, Florida, Destin, Gulf Shores, Alabama area. Go for it. Have some Yucatan shrimp for us. Hmm. And I think you found a list that has an, as National Asparagus Today Day. Today is National Asparagus Day. I love that. I do too. I'm I'm a big asparagus guy. Um, I, I love it on the grill yeah, um, oh. with, with some butter and, butter and garlic, uh, which <laughs> yep. apparently just makes everything better. Yep. Uh, but, okay, let's just 
let's just call it what it is here. There is something. Oh, you're going to know where I'm going with this. Okay. There is something peculiar. Peculiar. Yeah. That's a hard word to say. That's a hard. That's good. Peculiar to 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 asparagus. Something peculiar happens to you after you eat asparagus. It does. Um, I don't know any other way to say it. It makes your pee smell. It does, and I don't know why. I'm sure there's a scientific reason there's why. Gotta be, but it's weird. Yeah, and you know, you walk in a public restroom 45 <laughs> minutes after you've eaten asparagus, everybody knows what yeah. you had for lunch. It's like a DNA trail or <laughs> yeah. something. It's like I know we know where you've been. Yeah, it's if, it's an odd thing. I I have never really paid attention. Like I we eat asparagus pretty re- regular. Yeah. Did I just say asparagus? I, oh. It's asparagus. I think we've eaten asparagus a lot. I've never paid attention. Does it happen within 45 minutes? You've never paid attention that it makes your pee smell? No, I've heard that before, but I've never actually paid attention to whether it does well, or doesn't. You Okay. I, I don't want to go into super detail. This is a family-friendly podcast. Yeah. But I'll just say next time you eat asparagus, okay. uh, give yourself an hour. Okay. And an hour. and just uh, Does it have to be a certain amount of asparagus or is it just a uh, <laughs> One you know, spear. in my in my very uneducated opinion, uh, a normal serving of asparagus okay. should do the trick. Okay. And yeah. Does it smell? Does it smell like asparagus, or does it, <laughs> does it just make it smell different? It's just. It, I don't. You're just gonna have to. Ex- this okay. is something you just need to experience I'm on your own. That man. on the list so, for supper. Too. Um, those of you who are asparagus fans, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. I, I think it has something to do with some of the nutrients or the vitamins that causes some chemical reaction in you and wow there you go okay so, but things you but celebrate nonetheless need to know but maybe or didn't want to know but maybe you need to but know. you need to know it's not you it's the asparagus it's the asparagus so <laughs> well um i don't know how else to segue into today's topic yeah. uh last week we had just great response to our podcast on heaven uh, we answered uh, some of the the listeners' questions and and tried to make it practical so that we could help people understand heaven is something actually to look forward to, not just conceptually, but you can know some things about heaven. There are some things that Scripture has informed us on that point you to the fact that wow, it really is the better life to come that you should look forward to, and not something that is outside totally of what you can conceive. Um, but there are, again, it is, uh, there are some mysteries to that, but our hope was to bring people into a realization that this is the life worth eagerly anticipating. And so once we did that, um, and, and if you haven't listened to that episode, go back one episode to episode three and check that out. Um, but today is not as fun of a topic. Um, so because the antithesis of heaven is hell. And there are a lot of questions, a lot of intrigue, and a lot of odd ideologies that are surrounding this idea of hell and eternal punishment. So um, let's just kind of, let's kind of banter a little bit about some of the misconceptions that maybe we've come up with uh, over the course of our our journey with Christ. So Ben, what do you got? Yeah, one of the things that has always been when... If someone were to talk to me and say, "What is, what do you believe, or what do you picture when your mind when you think of heaven and or hell, and when then when you think of the the devil, uh, it's 
it's an interesting bag of things. I mean, one of the things that you kind of grow up learning, even watching, um, which is way too early for you because you're far too young to know what I'm talking about. But Bugs Bunny cartoons, you know, if you watch Bugs Bunny cartoons or some of the old, old style cartoons, Satan, um, a lot like the angels that we talked about with last week, you know, Satan is a little red dude with pointy horns, you know, and a pointy tail and he carries a pitchfork around and yeah, he's mischievous and yeah, he's, he's, he's not a nice, you know, devil, but he's not, not nearly the destructive liar deceiver that the, that the Bible talks about heaven or hell is one of those things that's difficult to kind of pin your, your put, put in your head because the misconception is it's it's a place where uh, we go that won't be fun that it, that's going to be a place where we're going to be you know tortured or where we're going to be and it's hard to describe in, in in those regard until you start to look at the scripture then the scripture gives a whole better description of that right. that um, you know you hear people say well if that's if it means you know going to heaven then I don't want to go or I don't want right. to whatever and if we had a pretty clear and better understanding of what hell is, I think we would, you know, overcoming those misconceptions, I think we would do anything we could to avoid yeah. uh, that place. Well, I think it starts from an understanding of God. Um, God is good. The good things that uh, we see are a result of God's creation. Um, and so everything that we see in creation has been uh, put together, either created by God or created through the minds of creation, yeah. us, that God has gifted us to do. And yet, we live in a world that is corrupted by sin. And so what we need to do is make sure we kind of squash this misconception that, well, everything fun is just against God. Like, right. God is not fun, God is not playful, and so everything that's fun or playful is therefore sinful and therefore would be attributed to Satan. And right. that leads a lot of people to these false notions of, well, I want to have fun. Right. I want to play. Right. I don't want to sit on a cloud all day. So yeah. forget heaven. Right. If hell is where the fun's at, is where the party's at. Right. I'll go there. Yeah. And the reality is, is that could not be further from the truth. The yeah. good things in this life, uncorrupted by sin, are what are bound for those who are bound for heaven. Yeah. Uh, and the opposite is true for those who uh, have chosen not to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ and have suffered their eternal punishment. Yeah. Yeah, hell is uh, the—you use the word punishment, and I think that's the thing that um, we you have to keep in mind that when we, when we talk about heaven and hell, heaven is a reward. Hell is the punishment for the— not accepting Jesus Christ as as Lord and Savior. I mean, Satan created or God created hell for Satan right. and his angels and those who would you know follow in that path. And so, you know, we're not dealing with a place, or we're not talking about a place that is just there as a result of a bad lifestyle. Right. You're there. You're there as a punishment, yeah. you know, for for disobedience to God. And that boy, that that stirs up a whole other round of questioning and why would God ever desire to punish us? Um, but you know, when you talk about hell, the place itself, it is not a place where we're going to, any of us want to end up 
right. you know, just according to the biblical description of it alone. Right. Well, and I think that description flies in the face of a concept that's kind of become much more widespread, maybe not in name, but just in the way that we think. And you and I do quite a few funerals. And so you've probably seen that this idea of universalism is very, very much prevalent in the minds of people. Now, whether they would say that they subscribe to that ideology is probably another thing. But universalism is simply this. Well, everyone is basically good, you know, for the most part. And so except for a few extreme exceptions like Hitler, like Pol Pot, like Joseph Stalin, aside from those people, everyone else is pretty much bound for heaven. We hear it when, excuse me, when we do funerals. Um, One of the things that I know you and I are both pretty cautious of is not trying to preach someone into heaven. Right. Um, you know, we're not going to be insensitive in that moment, but we're also not going to lead to false hope for somebody who's not a believer in Christ and has shown has shown no marks of that. Yeah. But I think one of the things that happens in this universalism type ideology is that, well, it doesn't sound nice of God to send people to heaven. In other words, our emotions or the way we feel drive how we feel or conceive of hell. And I love this thing that John Stott wrote. Um, John Stott is a an old theologian. Uh, he writes this. He says, But our emotions are a fluctuating, unreliable guide to truth and must not be exalted to the place of supreme authority in determining it. What he's trying to say is just because you feel like something shouldn't exist— doesn't mean that it doesn't. Right. Um, so if we're going to use the Scripture as our guide, then we come to this place of recognizing a couple truths. Hell is real, just as heaven is real, hell is real. I found an interesting study the other day. Pew Research did a poll of Christians, and um, first, first, I guess they did the general public. 73% of the general public believes in heaven. Mm-hmm. Fifty-eight percent of the general public believes in hell. Um, that's a that's a pretty substantial margin. Ninety-eight uh, percent of Christians believe in heaven. Which my question is, what are the other two percent doing? <laughs> right. uh, but then it was something like only eighty percent of Christians believe in hell. And, and what that tells me is that they're not in the Word. Right. You know, they're not seeing that uh, this is a truth. But the reality is, is just because it doesn't feel nice or doesn't feel like that should exist doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Uh, Clay Jones wrote a book that I I would recommend for anybody called Why Does God Allow Evil? Uh, It tackles the issue of hell, but it also tackles um, the question of why do bad things happen to good people, which is kind of a false dichotomy, uh, or, or why does suffering exist at all? And he answers that really well. But he says this, sadly, however many seem to believe, if I don't understand hell, if I don't understand how eternal punishment could possibly be fair, then it must not be fair. Right. Well, the reality is, is it's very fair. Absolutely. Um, God is good, and hell is actually a proof that he is good. Right. Uh, because there is an element of justice to this that has to be present. Otherwise, God ceases to be good. And if he's not good, then He's not righteous, he's not holy, he's no longer God. So, yeah. so let's let's take that track for a minute. What does 
how does hell show the goodness of God in that justice is playing out? Yeah, well, I mean, if you, you step back from that for just a second and realize that most of the time when we think things aren't fair, we try to level the playing field. Right. Um, as humans, we have this nature that we, we don't want everyone to lose, or, or anyone to lose for that matter. We're, we're, uh, we've become a society in general where we don't hand out trophies. and I mean, so we know that that's kind of the way our world operates. And so if you start thinking through, what it what a human philosophy what kind of what kind of thought process can i develop to avoid the idea that somebody might not get the fair end of this deal mm-hmm. so you've got universalism you mentioned it you get the idea of annihilationism yeah. where we just all kind of live and then die and then we go we don't even yeah, exist yeah so do what once. you want anyway do whatever you want yeah. kind of the stoics and the epicureans that we you know it, we see in um, in the book of acts but it's um it's so to, to kind of get to the point where you're asking the question, we sometimes want there to be a reason or, or a thing. And when, you know, growing up with um, five kids in the house, we, we tried to establish this idea that no, nothing is really fair, right? It's not fair. Fair only happens when things are always all the time equal mm-hmm. and they can never always all the time be equal. What, this child gets at the age of 13 is not what the child at three is going to get. So right. the 13 year old's going out on a, uh, you know, a sleepover with friends. Well, the three year old's not going on it. Right. So, well, that's not fair. Well, so we just won't let the 13 year old go on the sleepover <laughs> until the three year old is 13. And then 10 years later, now the 13 year old gets to go on a sleepover because right. that makes it equal and fair. And so, when we talk about this idea of, of heaven and, or hell and why God is it fair for God to do that or just or right mm-hmm. is the really the better word if God doesn't say what he means in describing those who believe in Jesus Christ and who make him Lord and Savior receive heaven and those who do not receive hell if he doesn't go ahead and follow up on that and and then I'll, and make that a, a reality, as painful as I'm sure it would be for him at one point to say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. Yeah. He's, it wouldn't be a just and fair thing for him then to those who are, it's, it's the debate that's raging on in our society right now. Mm-hmm. Do we eliminate, and I don't, it's, don't want to be political here, but it's just the example I can think of. Do we eliminate and, and pay off and forgive st- student loans? Yeah. Well, I had a guy the other day say, I paid my student loans off 20 years ago. Do I get repaid? Right. <laughs> he said, because his words were, that's not really fair yeah. to me if you're going to forgive this person's student loan debts and then make m- mine were already paid off you know, years ago. Yeah. How is it that, can, that could possibly be fair? Well, it's never going to be fair and equitable. Right. Um, so man-made, man-made meeting out of what is fair just becomes, you know, it becomes more unfair the longer you think about it and go. So yeah. God has to have some sort of an established rule, if you want to. That's a simple way of putting yeah. it. But He has to have that, otherwise, He can't be the char- He can't be the character and the the person that He is and the promises that He's made. Yeah, yeah. To me, and maybe I'm making this too simplistic, but how could a good God, if He is good, not punish evil? Right. I mean, those those two things have to coincide together. Absolutely. If he simply overlooked evil, then he's almost complicit in evil, yeah. and therefore he's no longer good. Yeah. So I think 
one of the the questions that we've actually gotten from a listener uh, a few weeks ago was if God didn't create hell for humanity, because we know from Scripture that God created hell not for us. In fact, Matthew 25 says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, what? Prepared for the devil and his angels. So this was the initial reasoning for the creation of hell. Uh, Satan and the fallen angels had been thrown out of heaven. They were then prepared a place for them to be eternally punished when that time comes. So that was not the default destination for humanity because the hum- the fall of humanity hadn't happened yet. You've got the fall of Satan, the fall of humans had yet to happen. But then once the Garden of Eden happens, Genesis 3, Adam and Eve's sin are disobedient to God. Sin enters a perfect world, and now... Because it is fractured, because now through Adam we have inherited this sinful nature, which uh, you can say doesn't exist, but yeah. you look at humanity, you look at your—in uh, a moment of, of authenticity, you look at your thoughts and your heart, you recognize this is true. Uh, there is something inside of us that naturally seeks to go against God. It's just the reality, yeah. uh, especially before Christ. But now— the default destination of humanity has been changed because every person is born with a sinful nature. Therefore, the default destination is hell. Now, you can say, well, that doesn't sound nice. That doesn't sound fair. Well, it's because we've chosen it. Not only have we inherited that sinful nature, but we've acted on that sinful nature as well. So we've chosen to sin against God. If God is perfect, righteous, and holy— he can't tolerate one iota of sin, right. and it must be dealt with. So it leads us to actually the goodness of God, because he would have been fully justified in saying, well, that's it, you blew it. Yeah. Like, enjoy hell for all of you for all of eternity. Yeah. But instead, knowing that, he prepared in advance for his son to be sent to bridge the gap between him and us that we had created. God didn't create this gap of sin between us and him. We created it. And now you get to see the goodness and mercy of God in that he would have been fully justified in wiping us off the face of the map, but he sent his son to offer salvation so that we could be uh, changed in our default destination from hell to heaven, eternity with him. Yeah. And, you know, you you preached uh, on Noah on Sunday it's the it's the Old Testament picture of that that salvation that God provides for us, that the world had become so corrupt that God said, "I I almost I, I repent of ever having created it. Yeah, I repent. Um, I can't stand to look at it, so I'm going to wipe the slate clean." Well, God, in His ultimate being, God Creator, could have wiped the entire thing clean, started over, and created Adam and Eve again. He could have done that. Yep. No, he, instead. He went to a righteous man who, whose name was Noah. He, he and his wife and his children and their wives, they he he has them build an ark, preach preach you know forgiveness, preach you know righteousness, preach against sin, um, and 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 offered people an opportunity. You have the choice and the chance to jump on the boat yep. and not. You know, you you talked Sunday. I thought it was so appropriate that you, but you you talked about how we use children's 
wallpaper. We had wallpaper yeah. from Noah's Ark in, yeah. in, in Shaney's room when she was first born. And you think about the, the softness of that story. And yet what you learn is that people were people, babies, children, women, animals were drowning yeah. in the floodwaters because of their lack of willingness to follow God in righteousness. Yeah. So sometimes we, we don't like to picture that. And, and I agree with what you said. We, we want to punish, we want God to punish Adolf Hitler. We want him to burn in hell, um, but we don't want that to happen to our neighbor yeah. who, yeah, he was a great, he was a nice guy, did this, did this, but he just never decided to follow Jesus. Yeah. And we don't want to put them in the same category. Right. We want to, we are okay with God punishing anybody who we perceive to be a little bit morally worse than us. Right. But anybody who we perceive as being equal or better than us yeah. morally, well, how could God do that? That's yeah. not fair. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a loving God thing to do. But as you were saying, and it's the tr- it's just the way it works, is it, he wouldn't be very loving if he asked people to do these things, if he said, you know, believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and and with your mouth confess Him uh, as Savior and Lord, and and believe that God raised Him from the dead, and and you'll be saved. Well, now, well, you know what? Maybe you didn't believe in me, but you were really nice. Yeah, God. I'll let it slide. Well, I'll let this one slide. Yeah, and and everybody who's standing around going, wait a minute, that's not right. That wasn't that wasn't what you said. Yep. So that makes God a liar, or it, it makes God uh, unfair in an unfair way, arbitrator of then good and evil after having changed the rules. And there's nothing, you know, even in just earthly leadership, there's nothing worse than a leader saying one thing, then doing another, and then completely changing the rules in the middle of the process that, that uh, brings about um, a lack of confidence. And so, so I would much rather serve a God who says, this is the rules this is what I expect. This is how things are going to work, mm-hmm. and then follow through with that, even as bad as it might seem. Yep. To go the direction that I might go. Yeah. I would rather serve a God like that, who's not inconsistent. Well, there are many people who would ask the question, like, "Well, how does how could God do this? Uh, who is God to say that this is well?" He's God. He's God. He's the creator. Right. Like this this shouldn't this isn't fair, so this isn't how it should be. Well, God is the one who created everything. Yeah. Therefore, as the creator, he has he has the authority to say, This is how things work. I, I think one of the one of the effects of the fall of humanity is that we get this pride that builds up into us that we put ourselves on the throne. Well, that's not the way I would do it. That's right. not the way I think things should work. Right. Well, the fact of the matter is you are creation, right. not creator. Right. The creator gets to be the one who decides right. this is the way things work. And we don't have a leg to stand on when we say, well, that's that's not what I would want to do. Yeah. Well, you're not the one who created it. Think about how that even plays itself out, because that's the way I end up doing things is in my mind and personality is... Think about how that would turn itself out. It, I think about the movie uh, um, Jim, Jim Carrey's in, uh, Evan Almighty. Is yep. it Evan Almighty, or is he in Bruce Almighty? Jim Carrey's in Bruce Almighty. Steve Carell's in Evan Almighty. Yeah, Bruce. so Bruce Almighty, he's 
God. Yeah. God says, why don't you do my job for a little bit, you know, and walks away. Yeah. And what ends up happening is he ends up with these a million emails, these prayers that have come in, you know, and uh, everybody wins the lottery and the Boston Bruins win the Stanley yeah. Cup. And I mean, and, and if everybody just got because he just said, you know, select all. Yeah. Yes. yes to all. To all. <laughs> move on. If ever if, if that's the way God kind of arbitrates things and, and allows things to occur, then it becomes quite chaotic, quite. And that's how that's again, that was Bruce Almighty's response to what he thought God would want. Yeah. Right. Well, God, God doesn't operate that way. God says no sometimes, and God says yes sometimes, and God says, "Why don't you just wait and trust me?" Sometimes, yep. not all the. I mean, even trust me all the time when the yes and in the no and in the wait. Yep. And so, yeah, when you when you say that, it, it it opens up a thought process of if I were in charge, I would really mess things up anyway. Oh, yeah. So let's let the one who created all things and holds the creation of the world in his hands yep. and, you know, puts the world at Jesus' footstep, you know, footstool and all that. Let's let's let him be the one to, to arbitrate those those the way we live and the way we don't live or the way we should live. Yeah. So let me give an analogy. Um, being that it's National Brothers Day, uh, we have a running joke in my family that my brother never lost a board game in his life. He would just change the rules. When he got close to losing, he would change the rules to make yeah. sure that he wouldn't lose. And and uh, I'm assuming he's grown out of that by now, I think. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, no. we'll Call him in, let's play a game. Yeah, we'll let's play a game. What but so the, the analogy is, well, if you take a board game, um, my favorite board game growing up was Sorry. I, I always liked that game. Yeah. So who creates the rules of sorry? Is it just the person playing, which would change from person to person, depending on how you felt that day or your perception of how this should work? Or is it the creator of the game? Right. The creator of the game is the one who determines the the way this is played. Right. And so it's not subjected to the way you feel. Right. It's not subjected to how your day went or who you're playing with. No, the rules of the game, at least if you're playing correctly, yeah. should be the same because this is the way that the creator has laid them out. Yeah. And, and so when we take that perspective into an eternal creation perspective, you can start to see, well, wait a minute, I'm created. Right. I'm not the creator of life, and so therefore... I'm not the one who sets the rules for the way this works. Now, you can get into the fact that God has given us dominion over certain things and and has allowed us to be a part of it, but as such, we are called to be subjected to and walk in obedience to the way that he has laid things out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I love scrolling TikTok. It's one of my favorite entertainment things to do, but on TikTok, there's a guy who's a, a, a games... Uh, referee, so he was he did a TikTok on Uno and what are the oh. actual rules of Uno? And I found out we all found out we've been playing Uno wrong our entire lives. Really? Uh, yeah. In Uno, you have a certain draw four card, and then you have the draw four and the wild card, and there are certain rules that, to go by. And the way we had played it all along, you can you they're just it's it's like well, I don't know if I like that, but we had literally adjusted the rules to to fit. Our preference. Yep. Uh, and when you actually hear the actual rules, you go, wow, <laughs> that makes way more sense yep. than the rules we actually established for ourselves. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that sometimes we we want to fit 
what God should do and what we think God and and what we think His character should allow. Right. And we as a human, and then and we really we really mess things up like that. Yeah. So while we don't know everything about what hell will be, um, there are certain tangible things that God has given us through Scripture that show us um, just how incomprehensibly awful it actually is. Um, I I think the first thing is that we'll be conscious. Uh, You you see that in the story of the rich man Lazarus in Mm -hmm. Luke. Um, Whether that is a real story or, or whether that is simply an analogy that leads to a no less real truth, what you see from that is that we are conscious. Yeah. Uh, you will have memories. You will remember things about uh, your life here on earth. But the the third thing is that there will be no pleasure. Psalm sixteen eleven, David says, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And what he's trying to lay out is that all things pleasurable that are that aren't sinful, that haven't been corrupted by sin, all pleasurable things have come as a result of God. Right. It's not Satan that is orchestrating these good things. Yeah. Uh, if, if anything, Satan doesn't create, he just simply twists what God has made. But the pleasures of this life that are not corrupted by sin are there because of God. Yeah. So if you're in a place that is absent of God, what you can expect is that the pleasures of life are gone with him, and you're left with nothing. Yeah, yeah, and that that is, a re- again, a real difficult thing to wrap your to wrap your mind around because when we when we approach what it will be like in hell i mean the bible uses words like darkness it uses words like gnashing of teeth it uses words like fire to de- to describe that but the ultimate thing that that we're that we're dealing with is it's just a, it's a separation from god yeah. that when we end up in hell wherever that place may be it's yeah. you know we i always had this idea it was under the earth Right. You know, at the core of the yeah. planet, that's just multi. Yeah, you and, point up for heaven and you point down yeah, for exactly. hell. And that's what I don't it is. want to go down to the bad place, yeah. you know. Um, but when when you think about that and you think about what you said, we're, we're when we you know we talked about last week doing funerals, mm. and when we talk about not wanting to preach someone into heaven, we also get this idea we want to try to preach them out of hell. Right. You know, we we, yeah, we don't can. want to talk about the reality of it. And when we talk about heaven, you know, people's misconception is well, so and so's in heaven and they're watching over me. No, that mm-hmm. that would be terrible. I don't want my grandmother watching over me. <laughs> the scripture says in you know Revelation twenty one four that that there will be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sin, and all those things. Yeah. And I I got to believe her her watching down on me would be a sorrowful moments in, in her journey with God and her existence there. But at the same time, where we will have no consciences of the other world, I think there will be a a distinct memory that yeah. we will have of the moments when we were told about Jesus and we chose not to accept. Right. And there will be an awareness, a keen, I think, a keen awareness yeah. of the people who are not around the people who are missing in our lives. Mm-hmm. So when we're we're there and you know Jesus says I never knew you and he dismisses us from his presence. Yeah. We're going to say I while maybe in heaven we get to hang out with each other and go fishing and do all those things, there'll be a keen awareness that you are alone. Yeah. in this. That 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 would be one of the worst punishments for me by the yeah. way, if I'm totally alone for all of 
existence and eternity, I can't. I can't even make yeah. myself think through that. I don't want to spend two hours alone, right? Let alone all of eternity. So that that really brings some things to light for me, and 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 just how to think through, yeah, the idea of hell. Well, and I think one of the other <clears throat> growing uh, ideologies around hell is that there is still an opportunity for those to be pulled out of hell. Yeah. Um, you know, there's different there's different religions that would would claim to be able to give enough or pray somebody out of hell. Uh, what what we see from scripture is that that's not possible. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when Matthew 8 lays out that uh, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, it's I always took that as a standpoint of like somebody is in so much pain that they're just always crying and that the gnashing of teeth was like from demons. Yeah. But the reality of that is the gnashing of teeth was a sign of intense anger. Yeah. The weeping was also a sign of intense anger. Those who are in hell will be angry at God. Yeah, uh, they will be unrepentant. In fact, yeah. there is no hope of repentance because where does where does repentance come from? Well, it's it comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we see in John sixteen eight when He comes, meaning the Holy Spirit, He will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit that convicts believers of their sin, um, draws them to the Father. But there is the absence of that in hell, meaning there is no opportunity for repentance, and by extension, there is no exit. Right. This goes on forever. Yeah, and it's interesting because we talked, again, in the podcast when we talked about heaven, that we have a hard time understanding the idea of eternity and and what it means for infinity to go on and on and on. Right. I think in the same regard, when it, when we talk about eternal punishment, we just don't have a concept of that because everything in our life is temporary. Everything right. comes to an end. This podcast is going to come to an end, yep. and we'll and so everything in our life comes to an end. We have timers and alarm clocks, and everything stops at some point. And you you know you mentioned a couple of them, but you know Matthew. Uh, in verse in chapter twenty five, and you I think you mentioned forty one a while ago, but in verse forty six he uses the word eternal fire, yeah, along with the words eternal punishment. Um, but when it's regards to heaven, it's eternal life. Yeah. So there's, I I think he, Christians would do themselves well. Maybe this is how you, how we get to the end of this, just this part of the discussion. But I think Christians, in regards to heaven and hell would have a greater e- eternal perspective if we would think about eternity more. Right. What does that mean for me? You know, yeah, we got to not e- eat this salad and not eat that cake. <laughs> right. But what that's just temporary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a good thing to do so that yeah. I can extend my life so I can be with my kids more, my wife more and spend more time on earth, but we're only just delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Whereas in eternity, once that once that body stops, once death occurs, there's either going to be eternal punishment or eternal life. Yeah. And the promises of Scripture are sure and true, and that's the where, you know, that's just kind of how that the Bible describes it. Well, and I think it ends with the question of who are you going to trust? Because there's really two choices yeah. for all of humanity. Uh, are we going to send ourselves to hell? Because that is the choice that we've made by sinning. Yeah. Or 
are we going to trust Christ to save us back to him? Uh, those are the two choices that humanity has. And so while, yeah, this isn't a super exciting or fun podcast when we're talking about hell, it does really highlight the magnitude of God's grace in that he, again, could have destroyed us, would have been justified, and yeah. yet he sent Jesus Christ for all who would trust in him uh, to save us from ourselves, yeah. from our sin, and be reconciled for an eternity with him that will never end. Pleasures will never end. Yeah, and it's it's something that we need to just be talking about more and more. And I really right. think that's what Paul meant when he was saying we should encourage each other until that day comes. Yeah. You know, there's there, we should be talking about what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. That yeah. that hymn, you know, when we all get to heaven, yeah. what a day of rejoicing that will be. Uh, when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Yeah. You know, I think that we need to have more conversations about this instead of the conversations about baseball and all those things are fine yeah. in the in the temporary but but maybe more of our conversations should shift toward you know what will heaven be like yeah and how can we uh enjoy that moment you know more and and how do we live in such a way that that glorifies god now and gives a picture of what heaven will be like yeah before we experience it. An increased expectant awareness of heaven and a realization that it's only found through Christ. Yeah, uh, That is the good news of the gospel, and it's available for all of us uh, who would call on Jesus' name. So, yeah. hey, I hope this encourages you. I know this is a challenging subject, but uh, we want to have honest and open conversations about tough issues. So again, if you have any questions uh, that stem from this podcast or any of our other episodes or just have a question that you want answered, email me at ben at christchurch.com, and we'll do our best to answer that in an upcoming episode. But hey, thanks again for joining us here on Since You Asked. Thanks for listening to Since You Asked. Join us next time as we tackle more of your burning questions.